Welcome to the Crossings Church Podcast, where we connect people to God and others. And now, here's this week's message. Well, guys, proximity. That's what I want to start with, proximity. How many have ever heard someone say, close proximity? Well, they're wrong. City taught me a long time ago when I was younger than I am now. That it's not close proximity because that'd be like saying close, close. Proximity is good enough. So if you're using the word correctly, just proximity. She also wanted me to inform you that irregardless is incorrect as well. So just if you could write those things down. But uh, proximity, it's it's a great word because it denotes that you're close to something or someone. Uh, Proximity. I think it's an important thing for a church, for our lives. Uh, Proximity changes everything. Uh, I can't have nearness with you and not have a heart for you. It's it's much harder. If I'm close to you, it's a lot harder for me not to have a heart for you and vice versa. If you're just a a faceless thing out there in the crowd and I'm just nothing to you, then it's very easy to, to dismiss you or to be judgmental or all kinds of things. But if I know who you are and I know your story and I know what makes you tick... Uh, I find myself fighting for you more. I find myself caring about you more. So I think proximity is important uh, when we talk about the mission of a church. Uh, you got to have a heart. To have a heart, you got to be close to some things. Uh, back in uh, like the year 1999, some of you weren't alive then. Um, some of you were already collecting Social Security checks then. But uh, back in 1999, I got a... Uh, Invite from my good friend, my neighbor named Dave. Dave lived across the street from us in Chicagoland. And uh, Dave invited me to come to a party he was throwing where all his friends were. And so I was enticed to go hang out with Dave and meet all his friends. Well, this is when I was at the church that I wore a suit and tie every Sunday. It was, uh, you know, that's how we did church. And, and Monday through Friday, you brought a suit coat. That's how you did church. So church is a little more formal. So I go to Dave's house. He invited me to his party to meet all his friends. I walk in. There's lots of drugs, lots of alcohol. It is a secular party. It is a party. And I've not been to a whole lot of parties. But I walk in and Dave introduces me. Not, hey, this is my neighbor, Trev. Dave introduces me. Hey, everybody. And the place is packed. It's a split level. Everybody stops. He says, this is my pastor, Trev. Mike, dude, you're agnostic. He's never been to our church once. Now, all of a sudden, I'm his pastor. Like, all right. Well, I'm expecting to get, you know, like, oh, pastor. You know, and that's not at all what happened. In fact, what happened was surprising. I had people. I was on the lower level. And, again, there's a, a lot of drugs being done in this place. I had people. This guy comes up to me. He says, hey, man, so you're a pastor? I'm like, yeah. He goes, my grandmother's really going through something. He, and he, he was just heartbroken about what's happening in his family. And, and can you pray? I'm like, well, absolutely. And the next person comes up. And before long, I've got like eight deep waiting to talk to the pastor about, you know, I, I want to be free from drugs. I have family issues. I'm depressed. Will you pray for me? What should I do? I spent a long time praying for and counseling people at Dave's party. 
And it was the most beautiful thing ever. And I, I, I remember wanting to run across the street and just tell Cindy, Cindy, you won't believe, you won't believe what just happened. We had a church that sat on 112 acres, about a mile from where this went down. We had the indoor facility of that of a mall. We had everything in this church yet. Not one of these 30-some-odd people that were at Dave's party ever darkened the door of our church. But in a moment, not because I changed anything, but simply because I responded to a friend's request to come to his party and meet his friends, I now now found Jesus that lives in the believer, uh, now collided with people that he died for and loved, and it created this really, really cool thing. When we start a crossings church, I got to be honest with you, that's stuck in my spirit. And ever since, I've longed, long, long, long for the goodness of God to come crashing in on people he loves. Somehow we've created barriers. Somehow we've created things. Now, obviously it's risky. You know, you don't want to like, hey, I'm going to go to a drug party and witness tonight. You know, that's not the first thing you talk about doing. But there are some things we can do where I believe Crossings Church is called to exist, not just for ourselves, but for people God loves that may not know all about him yet and may not have perfect, clean lives. How many here at one time didn't have a perfect, clean life? Your hand better be up because we were lost. So our mission statement is this. We connect people to God and others. It's not cliche. In fact, when we started this church, I went away to church planting boot camps and schools and read every book I could find on church planting, and they said, you have to have a mission statement. Man, we had one. Uh, we gathered some people with us that were going to help us start this church in Chicago, here from Chicago, and we sat in our living room, and we had a whiteboard with the most awesome, wordy thing you've ever heard in your life. It sounded like we were starting a Fortune 500 company. We exist, blah, 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 and it was huge. And back to my friend Dave, I said, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to go across the street and get my friend Dave and have him read our statement and ask him what he thinks. That's probably not a good idea. So I went across the street, knock, knock, knock. Hey, Dave, come over. I got something for you to read. He comes over, and he's like, that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't even know what that's. I'm like, all right, thanks, Dave. He left, and we're like, we got to work on this. So we chopped it down to we connect people to God and others. Make it short so maybe we can live up to it. And that's honestly our thing. One of the joys about Crossings Church, we've, we'll be 15 years old this Easter. Can you believe that? That's crazy. That is crazy. I'm almost 50. I came here at 35. I had no gray. And, and when... Uh, when, when we showed up here, I totally lost my train of thought. Wow, went away. So, yeah, that happens, old age. So we, we narrowed it down to connecting people to God and others, and I just found my thought. People would call us, and I was offended at first. They'd be like, we were like, you know, one, two years into crossings, and they'd be like, I know what you guys are. You're the blue-collar church. I'm not offended to be blue-collar because, quite honestly, that's what I am. You're the blue-collar church. I'm like, then someone labeled us the six-pack church. I'm a six-pack church? What are you talking about? 
Uh, but people were trying to, trying to put a name on what they were experiencing. What they were saying was, hey, you're user-friendly. It, it's easy to come in here and feel like um, I'm not going to get judged. That doesn't mean we have low standards. Uh, don't mistake. You, Jesus had the high, he, Jesus set the bar. But yet, he was able to interface with uh, the, the broken in his world. He's a, able to interface with the most lost people of his day um, because he loved them. And he, got, he had proximity. He had proximity. And if we as a church can figure out how to begin to live with proximity to a broken world that Jesus loves and died for, while at the same time maintaining proximity with the love and the power of God that belong to his kids, something powerful happens in that combination. If you can be people that, that are able to hang out with folks that are just like you, broken just like you, you're not in a different boat. You're in the same boat. You were born in a sin just like they were, and you experienced the same pain and brokenness they experienced. So if we can figure out how can I have proximity with them while holding hands with the mighty God that loves and creates them and the Holy Spirit working in and through you that impacts their world in a meaningful way. See, too many times people mess up. They're, they say, for me to have the power of God in my life means I got to stay away from them because they're somehow going to mess me up. Listen, you're messed up plain enough yourself. Or we say this, we're like, okay, for me to get close to people that need Jesus, I have to somehow compromise my heart and my values and no, no, no. Live white hot for Jesus with no compromise. But love enough to be there. Be in proximity. So we call it connecting people to God and others. Like every mission statement, you can either live up to it or you can live down to it. Sometimes it's nothing more than a slogan. But man, my challenge today is that we would make it heart and soul. We actually stole this from the Bible. Luke chapter 10 verse 25 Anything we, there's nothing new under the sun. And anything we can steal from the Bible, we do because that's what we base everything on, the Word of God. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. I think this is pretty cool. The guy asking the question actually knew the answer. I don't think he was living it though. Because Jesus says, you have replied correctly. Do this and you will live. This is called the greatest commandment. The biggest thing we're called to do is love God with everything. This isn't restrictive. This does not make you boring. This does not make your life less than. This doesn't mean you're going to be the stick in the mud or lose out in life. In fact, Jesus said this, I've come that they may have life and life to the full. Loving God with everything is a freedom. I have never once said uh, where God's spoken to me to lay something down where I haven't felt like I've received tenfold in return. Uh, the joy, the peace of, of knowing God is so much greater. So this is the greatest commandment, to love him with everything. And then there's the great commission. We have the great commandment and the great commission. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is about to depart. and He says, that, he says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I command you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there's this command, love God, love people. And then there's a job given. Go make disciples. Jesus' very last words. I like hanging on to last words. Pay attention to someone's last words. Jesus' last words here on earth before he ascended to the Father are these. Acts 1.6 says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. And check this out. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's this thing where he says, hey, here's the great commandment. Love God with everything. Don't hold back. Can I encourage you? Don't hold back in loving God. You will never lose in pursuing God. Let him transform you this year. Pursue his word. Ask him to transform your life because Jesus paid the price and has forgiven your sins. Love him with everything. Then he gives us this command. Make disciples in all the world. And he says that he would give the church the Holy Spirit not to have good church services. Not to make you boring. Not to make you unrelatable to people. He gives the Holy Spirit to his church, to his believers, so that they would have power to become witnesses. So they could tell a world. They, Jesus said, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, uttermost parts. In our context, it looks like this. Goodyear, Buckeye, Phoenix, Arizona, Mexico, Calcutta, Indonesia. God's called us. We have a mission. We're not just checking a box on a Sunday morning. We say, God, let us love you with everything. Let us get really good at loving people. And let us do it not just here but everywhere. I'm excited that we're giving a lot more admissions. I'll be more excited when the first day Crossings Church gives 100,000 admissions. I'll be yet even more excited one day when this body's able to give a million admissions. Why? Because what else are we going to do? Really? I mean, we're going to get a building one day, but trust me, that building is just a tool. It is nothing more than a tool. What counts is change lives here and abroad. Period. End of story. That's our job description. Not to be successful. Not to gather a bunch of stuff. But to go for it. Now here's some things we do as Crossings Church. We've called these core values, but the truth is they're just kind of common values to any church. And uh, if you look in your bulletin, you've probably found them. I don't know if they're in the new bulletin. But we have an acronym called WORDS. And there are things every church does. Like if you go to a car dealer, every car dealer should sell what? And give you free water bottles inside while they pressure you. So every car dealership sells cars. Uh, Every church does things too. And here's some of them. Um, We worship. Worship is important. Since Jesus, I mean the church has always worshipped. In fact, when... Uh, Jesus was walking into Jerusalem and everybody's yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. 
They're going crazy. The disciples said, I mean, not the disciples, the Pharisees said, hey, quiet them down. And Jesus said, no, no. If they don't cry out, the very rocks will cry out. We've got a job as the church to worship Jesus. No one can take the church's place for this. Only we can worship him the way he needs to be worshiped. So when we come in on Sunday, we don't sing for entertainment purposes or, hey, this is just a warm-up to the talk. <laughs> That's so we can come together as God's people and honor him in worship. Very important. We believe in outreach. Uh, that's why we give to missions. That's why every time you invite a friend to church, you're involved in an outreach. I am so happy. Robin's in this service. I bragged about you in the first service. But Robin and Samantha jumped in there and started their helping hands group. Uh, doing practical things right here in our community. Making a difference in lives. And I thank God for those guys and what they did. And what uh, you did with them. And I hope 2018 we do a ton more. It's outreach. It's reaching people in practical ways here. Yeah, that's really a cool thing to be excited about. Relationships. Hey, on the count of three, let's say team. One, two, three. Team. team. We learned that as little kids. You put your hands on a circle. All right, all right. Team. And if you're not a team player, you're like, hey, you're a dirtbag. You know, <laughs> we learn from an early age, man. Be a team player. Block. Take your position. Don't be a ball hog. All those things. When it comes to church, sometimes we're like, I'm in this for me. <laughs> we're a team. The church is called the body of Christ, which means that there's no solo things. If you come to church and you're not engaging with someone, uh, you will eventually. Hold on. Get in a ministry. Get in a small group. Make some friends. Uh, because it's a body. It's a team sport, so relationships are important. Um, we love small groups because they help promote relationships. In fact, in two weeks, we're having a big small group sign-up. I want you to think about getting in a small group this year. Discipleship. It's another thing churches do. Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples, not make just believers. A disciple is someone that's looking like Jesus, walking like Jesus, living their lives according to the word, learning the word. Um, that's big in small groups, but it's not just there. It happens all kinds of places. One of the things I loved this year was uh, my friend Tom Lane started having coffee with people and saying, hey, let's read a book together. It started small, you know, and that's had an impact. Do you realize if everybody that loved Jesus in this church went to one person and said, this year, I'm going to buy you coffee, and let's read a book together. You know what an impact that would have? It'd be enormous. Pray about that. Think about it. And then service. Every Christian's made to serve. Now, some of us come in the doors, and I'm getting really good at this. After about 15 years, I can see when someone walks through the door, and they're like, I'm tired. I'm burned out. I'm wrung out. I, I see. And sometimes people need years to rest, literally. We get that. But as a rule, when you're better, it's good to serve. You were made to serve. You were given gifts by God to use. Let me encourage you, use them. So that, those, those are some of the things that every church does. But let me get in the rest of the story. Luke chapter 10, verse 29. Because I like the personality part of a church a lot. That's what makes us different from the rest of our team in Goodyear and Buckeye. There's one church. How many know we have 
uh, different family members of this one church around the world that belongs to Jesus. Uh, some, locally, we have Palm Valley. I love Palm Valley. Compass, uh, Radiant, Up and Surprise. You name the church, we're teammates, but we're different. Uh, we look different, act different for a good reason. Crossings will reach people that Palm Valley won't. Palm Valley will reach people that crossings won't. And there's a reason there's different local representations of the body of Christ. Uh, let's look at what happens in the rest of the story. Luke chapter 10, verse 29 says, But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, Who is my neighbor? That tells me he's kind of caught. Jesus gave, he gave the answer. Jesus says, Good, you did it. You nailed it. And he felt convicted because obviously he probably wasn't loving God with everything. But probably really not loving his neighbor. So he says, who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite. When he came to the place, he saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He put, on, put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And I will return. I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. I like this story a lot. You've got people that it was a Jewish guy that was beat up. Two Jewish guys passing by, a priest and a Levite. Didn't want to be inconvenienced, didn't want to become unclean, didn't want the expense or the hassle. They walked right by the guy. A Samaritan, which was their enemy. Uh, Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans hated Jews. And Samaritans were considered half-breeds and unclean. And a Samaritan sees this Jewish guy on the side of the road. And the Bible says he looked at him, took pity. He goes over to the guy bandages up his wound, puts him on his own animal, takes him to an inn, cares for him, pays the bill, says, keep caring for him. I'll come back and pay whatever more expense you have. I'll say this. One of the personality traits about crossings is I love a good story. This church love good, loves good stories. Think about how boring the priest story was. Hey, I was coming to uh, Jerusalem today from Jericho, and I saw a guy beat up on the side of the road. Man, it was bad. Boring. That story's boring. Don't share that story. It's lame. The Levite had the same story. Hey, I was coming from uh, Jericho to Jerusalem today, got on the side of the road, beaten. Wow, tragic. Boring. How many know the Samaritan had a good story? He had a story. Hey, man, this guy was messed up, and I got in there, and I started, it's like the guy that pulls over after the accident. I grabbed, pushed his guts back in, and wrapped it up, and carried him. 
That's a story. Not like I was driving by and there was a wreck. Boring. Everybody drove by. There was a wreck. The dude that gets out of the car picking up parts and holding the guy. That's a story. I put him in my own car, drove him to the emergency room. That's even a better story. Then I got there and I paid his hospital bill. Wow, you're the man. Then I went back and visited him. That's a story. I love stories. The Samaritan obviously had a good story. Can I look you in the eye and say this? Don't live a boring life. You know what's boring? Hey, we had 200 in church this morning between first and second service. Boring. Don't tell me that. That's boring. Tell me something else about somebody that came in and was broken and their lives transformed. What they walk through, how they're transformed, how much God loves them, how he's using their life. That's good. How you walked with them, how you prayed for them, how you've invested in them. That's a story. We love stories here at Crossings. It doesn't matter if we run 200 or 20,000. If we're not telling good stories, we're broken. We can be so successful right here where we are as long as there's good stories. You take the stories out. You take what God's doing in someone's life out. We have become boring. We become stodgy. We become everything I will never want to be. And I hope you're with me on that. God creates stories. Why? Because you have to have proximity for a good story. Good stories are born by someone that gets near one and gets their hands dirty. That gets close enough to love and know the pain and know what's happening. Close enough to share the God they know. We love stories. We love storytellers. And I'm praying in 2018 that you'll pray, God, make my life a story. If you're here today and you're broken and there are things going on, God has a story for you. You may think that it's the end of it, but God's working in you. We like laughing, mostly at ourselves. It's a value. It's a core value. It's one of those things like, we like stories. It's never going to change. It's in us. Try to change that about us, you'll fail. We like stories. Don't make us corporate. We like stories. The other thing is, we like laughing. They say, that's a core value? Yes. I hate when it's not fun. I really do. If it's not fun as a rule... I don't like it. I get really antsy. If you know me, that's true. I like for it to be fun. You may say, fun? I'll tell you what, in the last 15 years, there are people in this church that I love so dearly, and I've cried so many tears with so many folks in this place. Uh, People we've said goodbye to, people have had sickness, people have tragedy. There's been brokenness, but let me tell you, there's been a lot more laughing and joy than tears. As a rule, we like laughing. The number one person always remember to laugh at is yourself. So this laughing core value has legs. Don't take yourself that seriously. I promise I won't. (laughs) They're like, what? (laughs) What's he saying? (laughs) Seriously. Um, Sometimes we, we need to let like a lot of little stuff roll. Did you know that? If you've got everything you need in Jesus, you've got room to let stuff roll off your back. You've got room to let stuff roll. Um, I think living for Jesus should be fun. I think being part of a family should be fun. That's part of what Crossings Church just is. It's it's in the DNA. So we're not going to be, 
We'll go through pain. We'll go through tough times. We all do. We'll all stretch. But as a rule, uh, laugh at yourself and uh, we enjoy the journey. And then card pushers. This is my last one and we're going to close. You may say, card pushers? Yeah, we love carts here at Crossing Church. Yeah, the carts with wheels on them. We love carts. You're like, what? Trev's lost his mind. No, hold on. Stay with me for a second. For 15 years, I've been pushing carts at this church. 15 years, every Sunday morning, I've counted them up. There's a lot of them. I push carts from A to B with people in the hot and the cold. It doesn't get too cold here, but we have pushed a lot of carts back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. I've worn wheels off of Lifetime wheels from Granger. They're dead. They said, these will last a lifetime. No, they don't. We push those carts so much, we have worn down to the metal. And that's a core value. I love cart pushers. He said, but Pastor Trev, I've never pushed a cart across. And that's okay. Hold on. I love cart pushers at heart. Meaning this, I, I love looking for new leaders, people that say, there's no job beneath me. I'll do the humble thing. I don't have to have a spotlight. I don't have to have my particular things. Man. I love the person that will have the Bible study for one. I love the person. I talked to a small group leader today that says, Pastor Trev, I'm encouraged. We only had one or two in our small group, but we're encouraged. I said, good job, because when I hear that you're, you're faithful with one or two, it puts wind in my sails, and it gives me hope that there's still people that love Jesus that are willing to do the small things. We value that big time. We can't get away from it. We'll never be the church. Uh, we went to a church one time that had an event, and they had a VIP tent where the staff and the pastor could hang out with the honoraries. <laughs> Here, let me puke real quick, you know. That's disgusting to me, and I hope it's disgusting to anyone that would be part of this church. VIP, what's that? The only VIP I can think of in our life should be Jesus. Everybody else is a servant because he was. And that's how we roll here. And I love that about this place. I'm not, these are real values. They're not aspirational. There are some things we need to be better at. Like we need to be better at commitment. Like I noticed this church is afraid of commitment. You're like, hey, will you sign up for a schedule? Like commitment? You're terrified. Like say, yeah, I'll be here every Monday, blah, terrified stop doing that i will say this i'd say it's a value it's not yet it's aspirational i want us to be better at commitment prayer everybody here believes in prayer nobody prays that i know of <laughs> maybe you're praying a bunch at home i assume you are i hope you are but we need to have more prayer with this church there needs to be more praying going on because only what god does is going to matter uh, so it's an aspirational value. I want it to be real. I want it to be real. Uh, evangelism. Bringing a friend, telling people. We could be better at that. Um, you're a great group to hang out with. And I believe that God would use you in ways that you've not even imagined. So in your bulletin today, Daniel mentioned there's an insert. And on that insert, there's some challenges on the back. And one of them is, like, I'm going to commit. Everybody say commit. One, two, three. Woo! was hard, wasn't it? (laughs) Whoa. So I'm asking you, the beginning of this year, because we're having our prayer series the next three weeks, 
We're going to commit to prayer and fasting because I think that's what will turn the corner. That's what makes good stories. That's what causes us to love God more and more and each other. Prayer. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to commit to, don't do it if you're not going to, but commit to the next three weeks that you're going to make it to church for the prayer series. We're calling it push. Pray until something happens. I will commit. Somebody like, ooh, three weeks in a row? Ooh. Yeah. You know this church actually runs about 10,000? You just come about every four months. <laughs> so, so I'm going to challenge you for the next three weeks. I'm going to make it a priority to be at the push series so we can engage in prayer together. Uh, the next thing is I'm going to think about a small group. Uh, what small group might I get into? Uh, on the 21st, we're having small group sign up. Uh, what small group might I get in? And then lastly, uh, memorizing our passage for next week in Luke, in the book of Luke. And only put these things down if you're saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with you, Pastor Trev. I'm in there. You know how much cool things could happen if this whole church memorizes the same verse this week? Because I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts as we meditate on the Word. How many cool things could happen if we committed to prayer for the next three weeks? And then, uh, I actually said one that's not in there about choosing a small group. Actually, the other one that's in there is to decide what you'll fast. The when, the what, and the when of fasting. I told you last week, I'm giving up breakfast for that period of time. Ouch. Because breakfast is the second most important meal of the day. That was supposed to be funny. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you'll fill those out. I know today you may have showed up and God is planning to do write an amazing story in your life. Maybe the first few chapters have been rough. But I believe God has a way of making amazing stories out of our lives. And no matter where you are this morning... As we close in prayer, we're going to pray together that the God that loves you, the God that knows you, is going to do something so beautiful, so radical in your heart, that this will be a time that you'll never forget, and you'll learn to celebrate his goodness, and you'll learn to celebrate who he is in such a way that you've never known. So can we just pray that together as we leave? Maybe you've been a believer your whole life, but you need a different story. Maybe you don't know him yet. Reach out and say, God, forgive me, love me. My life's yours, and let him transform you. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and I pray, Lord, that you would create something special, even in this moment. Even in this moment, Father, I pray that people would recognize your love for them and the hope that you give. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, bless your people. Let us go in your mercy. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Crossings Church Podcast. We meet at Desert Edge High School on the northwest corner of Yuma and Estrella Boulevard in Goodyear, Arizona. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1030. Do you have kids? Bring them to our kids' service at 10.30 a.m. You can find us at www.crossingschurchaz.org. Thank you for listening to this week's message. God bless and have a great week.